Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shore Store. I'm your host, Justine Elizabeth. And today's episode is a very, very special one. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. I have a little like a list of notes of just these insane episode ideas that I get every once in a while. And sometimes I'll write them down when I'm like stoned or something. And then I'll come back to it later and be like, oh, that wasn't exactly the greatest idea. But this one has stuck it through. I've been doing a little bit of research. Uh, Some research has been a lot harder than others for some people. But anyways, the episode is Where Are They Now? Um... I feel like this was a good week to do this episode because Jersey Shore Family Vacation has just been such a flop. I mean, I don't know why I'm ever expecting anything differently. And of course, I will finish out this season regardless whether I finish it out on the Patreon or I just do a main feed episode where it's like all the episodes I haven't covered from now on. But and I am going to bring back the throwback episodes. I do have a list of guests lined up, hopefully, if everything all works out. So you guys will still be getting some throwback Jersey Shore and Florabama episodes coming up. That is to look forward to as well. But for now, where are they now? There's so many Jersey Shore side characters that have made the show. I personally don't think a lot of the storylines would have happened if it weren't for these people. The show in general wouldn't have happened if it weren't for one or two of them. Before I get started on the episode, I just want to remind everybody that if you're looking for more bonus content, Jersey Shore Family Vacation Season 1, Snooki and Wow, all the episodes of All Star Short, bunch of teen mom recaps as well on there um go to patreon.com slash shore justine and also be sure to leave me a five-star rating and review here on the main feed and you can also reach out to me with suggestions comments hate mail anything you want to over on instagram at shore store pod or shore store podcast at outlook.com now the juicy stuff. Where are they now? Let's start off with the unit, shall we? The unit is a strong and a great one to start off with. So the unit's real name is Jonathan Johnny the Unit Manfrey. Of course, the unit was infamous for being the situation's friend on the Jersey Shore. Of course, what we know from what we've seen on the TV show is that him and Ryder had sex. This was, of course, the same night where Snooki allegedly gave Mike a blowjob and cheated on Gianni and all of that drama came out during season four Italy. All of those episodes are on the main feed, by the way. Those are some fun ones if you guys want to go back and listen. The unit was also, of course, speculated to be Mike's drug dealer and his steroid dealer during the filming of Jersey Shore. And he actually also got arrested while being on the Jersey Shore. And I will be covering that episode coming up and talking more about the specifics of his arrest and everything then. Um, However, the unit was born on July 5th, 1979, making him 43 years old today and exactly one year older than Polly D. He shares a birthday with Polly, so there's a fun fact. Since 
appearing on the Jersey Shore. The unit has competed in a few bodybuilding competitions, NPC physique, um, two two competitions. In one, he placed first place, and in one, placing third place. The unit is NASM certified, which is the National Academy of Sports Medicine. This does not surprise me at all because obviously he was super fit in shape, still is from what I can tell from his Instagram and all of that stuff. And he also appeared in Mike the Situation's workout DVD with him. And I'm assuming that him and Mike kind of came up with the moves together there. So there's that. Currently this day, the unit lives in Salt Lake City, more specifically Midvale, Utah. And he works in renewable energy. He owns a business called 10 Times Energy. And that's where he is today. He's fallen off the grid. Of course, from what we know, him and Mike haven't spoken in years. Because as I previously mentioned, he was speculated to be Mike's drug slash steroid dealer. So I'm assuming it's a situation where Mike has just freed himself from that kind of situation. No pun intended. Next on the list, I have the one and only Danny Merck, Danny the boss from the Shore Store, of course. Jersey Shore would not even be a thing if it weren't for him because, of course, they used his house, which he actually bought to begin with because he said that it looked like a real world type of house and he could picture them filming a reality show there. So if you don't think manifestation is real, I don't know what to tell you. So he's actually originally from Toronto, Canada, and I know this because I met Danny personally at the Shore Store twice, and the second time I met him, I was with my boyfriend at the time, and he was wearing a Toronto Blue Jays hat, and Danny asked him if we were from Toronto or if he just liked the hat, and it was a whole conversation that the two of them actually had inside the Shore Store. So he opened up the Shore Store in 1998, and to this day, he still owns the Shore Store and the Jersey Shore House, which if you've ever been there, it is actually attached, and you can actually get to the Shore Store from the house. They walked around for filming purposes, of course. Um, So he's still there in the Shore Store. To this day, you can still go in there and get a picture with him, talk to him, You can tour the Jersey Shore house if you would like. I have no idea how much this costs. You could actually rent it out to stay in as well. Danny is married to a woman named Shannon, and they have two children together. I vividly remember on Snooki and JWoww, um, Snooki and Jenny go back to the Shore store to say hi to him, and Snooki asked if his wife pooped while giving birth, and Danny said yes. And this moment always stuck out to me in my head because I remember thinking, holy shit, if I was giving birth and I pooped and my man said this on national TV to one of the biggest reality stars at the time, I would be pissed. There are four seasons of Snooki and JWoww and I covered the first two so far on Patreon if you guys want to go over there and give those a listen. There's some really fun episodes in there. So of course... The Shore Store does have an off-season. It is in New Jersey where it does get cold and snowy and disgusting throughout the winter. So during the off-season, Danny actually owns and works at 17 different Halloween megastores. He doesn't 
work at all of them. He owns 17. He works at one specifically in Florida and he works on location at that during the Jersey Shore off season. Coming up next, we have Paula Picard, which is her name. Of course, this is the Paula, the icon from every single season filmed in New Jersey. From season one, Mike brought her back to the house. They had sex in the hot tub. She fell down the stairs. Her friend who she worked at Simply Sun with, bang, 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 bang on the door. Heather, what's wrong with you? You told your mom you were going to be gone for an hour and you went out drinking. Where's your car? I parked it at Karma and she can't find her clothes. So she just leaves in Mike's sweatpants and t-shirt. I wonder if she has those still to this day or if she like sold that on eBay or ended up giving them back to Mike. Who knows? And then, of course, Mike hooked up with her a bunch of times in season three. Sammy called her dirty and grimy and disgusting again in season five. And then her and Mike actually dated in season six. And of course, she gave him the revenge cake. Of course, I'll get into that episode and everything when I get to it. But I always say I wonder how differently Mike would have ended up if he ended up with somebody like Paula instead of somebody like Lauren, Paula is very much like a free spirit, likes to let go. Lauren is very like uptight and bougie, if you will. However, Paula did find her happily ever after with somebody else. She does have a husband named Chris Rutherford. He looks exactly like Lil Dicky. They have two kids together named Evelise and Ivaly. And they own a family business called Rather Cluckers. Um, the description for the business is we breed, raise, and sell various rare, fancy, and popular breeds of chicken and specialize in Orpingtingdens. I don't know if that's how you pronounce the word. Our small family farm is located in New Egypt, New Jersey. So that's what Paula is doing today. Who remembers Ryder? Of course, Ryder, who also came in on season one of Jersey Shore. We see her come to Miami in season two. She's in season three, hooking up with Polly. Pretty sure she hooked up with every roommate in the Jersey Shore house besides Ronnie. Um, not shaming her, but you know, she was definitely a wild one. Caitlin Ryder is her name. She was born on August 5th, 1988, making her 33 years old. The last time I had personally heard of Ryder, at least throughout the show and through Snooki Nicole, was, um, of course, the infamous Snooki and JWoww episode, which I covered on Patreon, where Snooki goes out with her friends for the first time after giving birth to Lorenzo. And she gets really drunk and makes out with everybody and lifts up her skirt and all that fun stuff that Gianni loves. And Gianni tells her that she shouldn't be hanging out with Ryder anymore because Ryder is disgusting. Snooki, to this day, when people ask about her, she always says that they just drifted apart because Caitlin Ryder wasn't into kids, doesn't have any kids of her own, any of that stuff, just wanted to continue partying and living that sort of lifestyle. And of course, Snooki had her children, settled down, all of that stuff. So Caitlin is kind of hard to figure out because although she probably has the most Instagram followers out of all of these people that I'm about to mention, she's very private. Her job or anything isn't really well known. I had a hard time finding that. But from her Instagram, it does seem that she is just traveling a lot and living her best life. You stalked my whole entire life on the boardwalk 
who remembers Polly Stalker season one and season three, Danielle, the uh, Israeli girl, as he calls her. So Danielle worked at the San Tropez store actually on the boardwalk. And I know this because I had met her there. This was between the filmings of season five and season six. Danielle's mom actually did an interview about her and I didn't know about this, but Amanda from We Love to Hate Everything, she had told me on an episode that we did together like way back when when I first started this podcast season one of Jersey Shore so you guys can go all the way back and listen to that but Danielle's mom actually did a radio interview about her her and Danielle and Polly D according to Danielle's mother Miriam her name is she said that Polly and Danielle knew each other all the way from uh, Rhode Island she says that Polly was all about Danielle when they first met that Polly allegedly told Danielle that she would share his last name one day and she actually he actually did do that because that was actually on the show as well he said that Danielle Del Vecchio sounds hot and the I heart Jewish girl shirt that was actually prompted by a gift that Polly gave Danielle according to her mom Polly D gifted Danielle um, an I heart Italian guys bracelet the day before so it was an inside joke between the two of them this is one of those things I always say with reality TV what we see on the show is only like a quarter of the story reportedly uh when Danielle refused to sleep with Polly that's when he started labeling her a stalker Danielle had to leave New Jersey to live in Israel I have no idea how long she lived there for because as I just said I had seen her at the San Tropez store on the boardwalk in New Jersey and fans have been speculating that this is her in a Betfair Casino New Jersey commercial I saw the screenshots definitely can see how it is her there is a dirty post you know the website the dirty.com there is a dirty post about her it's somebody that's clearly just pretending to be her and trolling it's absolutely fucking disgusting and when you google like Danielle New Jersey Danielle stalker all this stuff Danielle Staub from Real Housewives of New Jersey actually comes up which is fucking hilarious while we're on the topic of stalkers, let's go over to Polly's second alleged stalker, Vanessa, whose name is Vanessa Ellis. This girl is extremely easy to find. She, of course, comes in on season five, which is one of the next episodes that I'm going to be doing once I get back to the throwback episodes, wearing her Polly D hat, her cabs are here t-shirt. This girl was on the show My Strange Obsession on TLC. Her actual segment is very easy to find. It's on YouTube. She's very popular on social media, TikTok and Instagram, Vanessa, the real MVP. And she's not just a Polly D stalker. She's a celebrity stalker in general. She's like one of those people that spends their lives following celebrities. She doesn't care how big or small of a celebrity it is she walks around the streets of new york all the time allegedly she works as a bartender at night so that she can spend her days doing this celebrity following stuff i actually used to know a few people who did this or at least the toronto equivalent of it but back in the day when I was a teenager, I used to like going to much music all the time, which is the Canadian equivalent of what like MTV TRL was 
much music, much on demand was like the Canadian equivalent of that. So there would be like actors that would come in all the time, musicians, they would perform. I'm actually on a couple episodes of Much On Demand. There's one, you can definitely find it on YouTube where angels and airwaves are there and I get to ask them a question and I'm like in my Blink-182 shirt, fangirling out, and I actually went to the Angels and Airwaves concert after that. But anyways, there were a few people who would be at every single event, and they'd be like, oh, I was just outside of this hotel today, and I met this person, or oh, I met this person, and they would go to like every concert and be in the front row and get like VIP passes to every concert, and it's like, how the hell are you at everything? Like I'm at specific things once a month, maybe for somebody I really love. Yeah, it's just crazy that these people exist. But go to her social media at Vanessa, the real MVP, and you will see her with any celebrity you can totally imagine. And also she appears in Jersey Shore Family Vacation season one, the very last episode when they're in Miami and Polly's DJing at 11. And I recently did that episode over on Patreon. Let's talk a little bit about Mike's family and all three of his siblings have been on the Jersey Shore at one point or another. So Mike has two brothers and a sister. His brother's names are Mark and Frank, aka Maximo. His real name's Maximo, but he goes by Frank. The three of them were on a season of Marriage Boot Camp Family Edition together. And I know I keep bringing up the Patreon, but I I just have to because I did an episode about Mike the Situation in detail, talking a little bit more about his family and the history with the like tax evasion stuff and all of that over on Patreon. So you should go listen to that if you want more detail. But his brother Frank slash Maximo is the one who allegedly had hooked up with Dina's sister during season five of Jersey Shore. He's the one who's now estranged from Mike. On his side, he claims that everyone in the family has a problem with him because he's gay. Mike claims that he's a meth addict. And that whole thing happened with them recently where he showed up on Mike's door after Romeo was born and was like ringing Mike's doorbell out of control. Mike had to call the cops on him, etc. His other brother, Mark, is the one who actually got in trouble along with Mike with the tax evasion stuff. He was the one working as Mike's money manager and got them into the whole ordeal. He was recently released from prison not too long ago because he got a little bit longer of a sentence than Mike did. He lived in a halfway house for a while and now he's doing real estate. Of course, we all remember Mike's sister, Melissa. Melissa hooked up with Vinny in the first season. She comes back to Miami in season two. Mike with a wig, if you will. Melissa Sorrentino is actually now Melissa Sussman because she got married to a man named Michael Sussman. This guy was actually Mike's friend from college, and they met at a party that Mike was throwing. Melissa did an episode of Say Yes to the Dress. The episode is season 13, episode 3, for any of those who want to watch it. I watched it the other day when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode. I was like, you know what? I have Discovery Plus. I don't use Discovery Plus half as much as I should, considering I have a premium account for it, no commercials. 
might as well throw this bad boy on. It was extremely cringy. There were so many gay jokes about Frank and the dresses. And I can totally see why the show The Sorrentinos never made it to air. And if you don't know about that show, you have to listen to my Mike The Situation episode. Lauren Sorrentino, Mike's wife, is also in the episode with her pre-wedding nose. And I just want to say, I definitely think she should have kept the pre-wedding nose um, just because she looked a lot less like Mike than she does now. That's what Mike's siblings are up to. Let's go over to Tommy, who infamously dated Wow from seasons one to three. So his name is Thomas Lipolis, and apparently during his time with Jenny, he pushed her down the stairs before she left to film for Jersey Shore season three. Apparently, Wow had stabbed him at that time too, which... I hate to say this, but I totally believe Tommy actually sued Wow. Well, first of all, Tom and Wow broke up during season three filming, which we do see on the show when she gets with Roger. There was a little bit of a crossover there with them. And then Tommy sued Wow back when she was actually filming Snooki and Wow. I covered season one and two and I do talk about that lawsuit and go more into detail over that on the Patreon as well and then Tommy was also arrested in 2008 for trying to extort Wow. just imagine being this petty and jealous on December 17th 2008 Jenny Farley reported to the Toms River Police Department that an ex-boyfriend Thomas Lipolis had attempted to extort $25,000 from her in exchange for not divulging secrets to the media about Farley. This information had been given to Farley through her publicist who had initially received a phone call from Lipolis demanding the money. Farley and Lipolis had dated for close to a year, approximately 10 years ago on December 19th, 2018, Tom's River Detectives. Tom Gross and John Turner, in case you needed to know the detectives' names, initiated an investigation into these allegations. On December 19th, 2018, the detectives arrested Tommy and subsequently charged him with third-degree extortion. Now, remember when JWoww and Roger got divorced a few years ago? She wrote this crazy letter, posted it on her website at the time. It was everywhere. She had since deleted the letter. Um, But in that letter, she said that Roger actually reached out to Tom during the downfall of their marriage and the two of them had almost plotted to take Wow down together. So details of that are still unknown. Of course, she didn't really talk about it through the show on Family Vacation. She kept saying it was a bunch of legal issues as to why she couldn't, which makes total sense. But there's Tommy. As of where he is today, he is the creator of the best-selling Everything Bagel brand on Amazon. Yes, you heard that right. The name of the seasoning is SPQR Seasonings, and it's available on Amazon and at Walmart.com if anybody wants to make a purchase and let me know how it is. Speaking of awful JWoww ex-boyfriends, etc., let's talk briefly about Roger. Roger Matthews, of course, him and Jenny were married from 2015 to 2019. They have two children together, Milani and Grayson. And 
Roger to this day is just doing his thing, working as a truck driver as he was. And he has a podcast with one of his close friends, Frankie Edgar, who's a UFC fighter. Again, there's lots of Roger on the Snooki and JWoww episodes I did. And there's actually an episode where Frankie Edgar has a UFC fight and him and Jenny host a party and they watch it and their cable goes out and they lose their minds. It's a really funny episode. But Roger's podcast with Frankie Edgar is called The Champ and the Tramp. And I know a lot of people aren't very happy about this. Roger has a lot of controversial takes, a lot of controversial political opinions and all that stuff, especially when the pandemic, it was in, we were in the height of the pandemic and all of that stuff. So give that a listen if you dare, I guess. I do want to give a quick shout out to Joey at Snip Tease Hair in New Jersey. We see her and one of her co-workers come over to the Shore House in season five. This had been when the girls were in Italy for three months and couldn't get their hair done. We have a scene where Jenny calls her to come to the Shore House and bring some hair extensions and she freshens up Snooki and Wow's hair in the house. During this episode, Snooki's dad also comes to the house and Snooki forgot he was coming. So she sent him to go get errands, including the girl buying the girl's eyelashes while her and Jenny got her hair done. And Snip Tease is still a very successful hair salon in Tom's River, New Jersey. And as far as I know, Jenny still goes there. Nicole doesn't go there. Sammy goes there and Dina goes there. Now, who remembers the twins from season four Italy? We have Brittany and Erica. And these girls remember when they were filming the show, Mike had even mentioned that they were from Florida and studying abroad in Italy, American. Brittany, the twin who is actually featured on the show a little bit more, remember she came over to the house when Mike wasn't there and Snooki put her in his bed, etc, etc. She has been extremely active on social media the last couple of years. You can find her on TikTok, on Instagram, Sober Barbie. And she actually wrote a book not too long ago called Girl Waste a personal story of addiction, obsession, and redemption. So if you can't tell from the title, the book is about her basically being an an alcoholic and her journey into sobriety. I had purchased this book, I think over the winter time on Amazon, it was like, I don't know, $20 Canadian or something on Amazon. Really, really, really quick, easy read in a good way. I read this like over the weekend or something after I bought it. And she talks a lot about her, just how she started drinking, working in bars, living in New York City, and how she got on the Jersey Shore. And then actually after her and Erica were on the Jersey Shore, they did uh, The Bachelor Pad, which I wasn't aware of until I read the book. So in the book, she actually talks about how when Jersey Shore was in Italy, when her and her sister were there, how it was like the talk of the town and she knew that they were around and I actually want to read a little bit. She doesn't talk too much about the whole Jersey Shore thing, maybe one chapter full. Unfortunately, the book is more about like her private life and stuff, but she does spill a little bit of tea and I actually want to read one excerpt. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this or not, but here goes. I made direct eye contact with Mike the Situation Sorrentino, one of the stars of the show. 
He did a modest double take and proceeded to sit directly next to me. His eyes kept deviating from left to right as if he were admiring on all the onlookers. I initiated small talk and instantly realized that this guy was not normal. He could barely cultivate a two-minute conversation without inadvertently complimenting himself. You could tell that he revered himself. He loved his glued back hair, his beefy muscles, and of course, his overly bronzed four-pack. He was quite the package, at least he thought so. His eyes bore a blank stare that matched his flaky attitude. His demeanor and his detachment implied that he was in space. He was not on this planet, and neither was I. The situation was a new and improved version of Shrek. Apparently, I was attracted to these characters. The situation was the same height as Shrek. The only stark difference between the two was that Shrek was green and the situation was orange. The lights, the cameras, and the crowds of people were intoxicating. In that moment, I lost sight of my worries that plagued me. I also lost partial consciousness. I would have to wait three agonizing months until the show aired to witness the details of that first night with the situation. All I could recall was signing a million pages of consents before I could enter the cast posh apartment. By the time I finished signing contracts with producers... I was virtually sober. When I climbed up the wide staircase, a sense of panic overwhelmed me. I was only half drunk and progressively becoming more cognizant of the situation that I was confronting, pun intended. I whispered to myself, what am I doing? And am I making a mistake? I knew the answer, but the alcohol reassured me. Alcohol's persuasion was credible and convincing. It had an extraordinary power over my mind when it came to decision making. In that moment, it pushed me right through those doors onto the environment not suitable for a broken girl like me. On that same night, I felt degraded. I remember lying in Mike's bed for hours waiting for him to return from an argument he was having with Snooky. He was cooking chicken cutlets, smoking cigarettes, and conversing with everyone in the house while I was sitting in a room with no phone, no TV, and no windows. If this was real life, I would have stormed my happy ass out that door with steam coming out of my ears. Instead, I lay there like a dog. I was obedient and inferior merely because of his fame. The situation gave me explicit instructions to stay in the bed. He made demands and I followed them. This lack of respect was disgusting. I waited for over an hour. I was a puppet with no self-worth or voice to speak up for myself. He barked at me like a chauvinist. I don't know if it was because I was female or because I was a regular person, but I feel like that wasn't an uncommon occurrence. I wasn't a celebrity and he knew I was a pushover. As an ordinary person, you cannot prepare yourself. I was stuck in a house with a group of celebrities who made me feel like I was the most worthless piece of shit. Snooki proved to be the least reserved. She blatantly called me ugly, slut, and whore. Of course, I chuggled and brushed the harsh words off. What else was there to do? I felt subordinate and powerless. Snooki only confirmed my preconceived notions. The rest of the cast were demeaning and provoking. They ignored my presence. I got the impression that I was not worth talking to. I was not on their celebrity level. I was not a real person. When I think about those evoked emotions to this day, I get choked up. How can people treat others in such a despicable way? I understand that I put myself in that position, but what I don't understand is the brazen lack of respect for another human being. They were riding high on their horses. I felt 
uncomfortable, inferior, and worthless. My deepest regret was returning to the house after that first night. If I were sober, I would have cut off all contact and protected myself. If I were sober, I wouldn't have have conversed with the situation, and I certainly wouldn't have returned home with him. Since my appearance on the show, that was the one question I got asked the most. Was the cast nice to you? I always answered the question with a lie. Of course. I was too mortified and confounded to accept the reality that I was not worth a celebrity's time. I was a waste. I was garbage. The next thing I remember is waking up in the smush room with Mike tapping me on the shoulder, broadcasting in a cracked voice, your cab's downstairs. My head was spinning and I kept trying to wake up from the tragic yet all too realistic nightmare. There were no windows, just cameras that saturated every angle of the room. I unenthusiastically spent the next 10 minutes scoring the tiny room for my black and white striped tank top. Mike seemed elate and slightly less irritated when I filmed the shirt that he'd worked so hard to remove hours earlier. I threw my panties into the pocket of my black denim shorts and scurried out of the room with my tail in between my legs. She goes off to say that when she came back to her room and charged her phone and everything, her family had contacted her because her picture had been on TMZ kissing Mike out front of the Jersey Shore house in Italy, blah 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 she talks about going back to the club with her sister and the night with her sister and Vinny on that night my sister was so wasted that she made out with both Dina and Vinny I painstakingly witnessed my sister make one of the most scandalous and shocking blunders of her life I fathomed she was in a blackout I was right keep in mind my sister was a perfectionist she was introverted soft-spoken and unassured she would never in a million years inject herself into such a slippery predicament she was totally out of her element and alcohol was the culprit alcohol was a deviant it slithered into our minds and manipulated our level-headed preset i knew in my heart that my sister would wholeheartedly regret every aspect of the night at the same time i couldn't stop her alcohol had already saturated her intelligent brain for the rest of the night i lost my sister she lost herself along with her impeccable reputation i could already predict holding my sister's hand as this humiliating episode aired i pictured her sobbing uncontrollably she had worked hard to foster her integrity as a woman for 22 prolonged years and in the blink of an eye everything shattered the reality is college students party and inevitably make regretful decisions all the time they wake up the next morning and carry on with their lives their drunken mistakes are forever forgotten buried deep inside the brain in our unique situation pun intended our mistakes were aired for the entire world to see in a stranger's mind those few episodes characterized who we were as humans we were two desperate drunk girls who were deficient in morality and class we were trash just like the clowns who start on the show the only difference between us and them we had collectively $50 to our names and they had millions we were suckers we felt used so she goes on to say the situation called me at 5 p.m on a weekday and left me a message reiterating the projected plan for the night they were either going to space which was a disco club in the heart of Firenze or heading to a bar on the outskirts of the city for a low-key kind of night he never clarified where to meet him so I took it upon myself to show up at their apartment something I had never done would have never done if I were sober that evening my sister and I decided to experiment with absinthe the botanical liquor that supposedly makes you hallucinate we went shot for shot with each other the green color was grossly exhilarating it was like drinking Beetlejuice right before taking my third shot I imagined myself floating around the city feeling as light as a feather I hallucinated a tiff with Snooky and an 
rendezvous with the situation. After sobering up, I realized that these were not hallucinations. They were events that actually took place. This was my reality. I blacked out after a few shots of the absinthe. The last thing I remember was waking up in Mike's bed in a puddle of sweat, or at least that's what I thought it was. I uncovered my head with the stained sheets and noticed Mike staring at me like a deer in the headlights. He was accompanied by a lanky European girl who never spoke any English. She was wearing a hideous navy blue romper that was unflattering. She gave me the death stare and gave Mike the side eye. She couldn't comprehend why Mike would invite her back to the house when he already had a bun in the oven. I was a soiled bun in the oven, so I couldn't imagine that I was very appetizing to Mike. Regardless, I pretended to play it cool while Mike politely pawned the girl in the romper off to one of his roommates. I spent the entire night trying hard to remember how I'd gotten in his bed in the first place. When the show finally aired, I would watch the event unfold like a bad horror movie. Apparently, I had stumbled over to the cast apartment and stood outside yelling up to the window. Snooky was the only cast member home. She opted out of clubbing for the night to stay home and talk on the phone with her boyfriend, Gianni. Well, she heard me yelling from down below and reluctantly let me in. She could most likely tell that I was wasted. I was tripping over my own wedges and my skirt kept scrunching up, exposing my butt cheeks. She thought it would be funny to plant me in Mike's bed so that when he came home with a girl, he would be confronted with an awkward situation. The plan actually backfired on Snooky, the prankster. When Mike discovered me in his bed, he was relieved. He referred to me as a bun in the oven. I was already warmed up, which meant we were one step closer to hooking up. I was already half naked. This equated to less work for him. We relocated to the smush room where we hooked up. We didn't go all the way, thank God. He actually refused, stating that he wasn't ready. I have no idea what that meant, but I was more than thrilled with the plan to stay in third base. Watching my actions on TV was borderline traumatic. I also didn't know if I had peed in his bed because all I remember was waking up in a puddle, which I assumed was sweat. I was scared shitless. Was I going to be known as the girl who pissed in the situation's bed? Now that would have been a situation concocted for trashy reality television. I could already picture being the laughing stock of the entire show. I'd be the laughing stock of the entire world. Fortunately, I didn't pee in the bed, or if I did, producers chose not to air it. Reality TV is an industry that profits from the drunk mishaps of the young generation. From the Housewives franchise to X on the Beach, these shows rely on alcohol to generate fierce drama and unsighted quarrels. These famous drunk TV moments are a disgrace to mankind. It's like a dumpster fire. You can't take your eyes off the drama. This degradation that transpires on these shows should be banned. It's a phenomenon that affects primarily women. Yes. So obviously she is sober now and living her best life. Very active on social media. If you just type sober Barbie, you can find her and also check out the book. Like I said, if you're into books about people's sobriety journeys and stuff like that, it's a great one. She talks a little bit more about how the cast was what they were like at the nightclub and all of that stuff. So that is it for this week's episode. I hoped everybody enjoyed this first part of Where Are They Now? Because I'm sure I'll do a second part. If there's anybody else you guys are curious about, anybody I missed, any stories or anything that I missed in there, reach out to me. I already told you how. The links to everything will be in the description. Please leave me a five-star review. It helps me a lot. And it also helps your algorithm when you're looking for other podcasts to listen to. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. 
and we'll talk soon.